So we are looking at Ephesians chapter 6. So if you'll take your Bible out and let's take a look at Ephesians 6. We already started this, I would say, next to the last passage in Ephesians. We've been working through Ephesians for a while. It's the last major section in Ephesians. And the very last section is what most letters end with, a, a final greeting, a farewell. So we're looking at Ephesians 6, verses 10 uh, to um, 20. So you say the last major section in Ephesians. Let me start by saying that the Christian life is not easy. But that should surprise you. You should ask the question, why not? Why isn't the Christian life easy? After all, God is our Father. And who is more powerful than our Father? In addition, Jesus, it says in the beginning of Ephesians, that Jesus rules the universe. So how can life be difficult for us when our king rules the universe, both good powers and evil powers? We're born again, born of his spirit. We're not the same old, same old person we once were. We actually have Christ living in our hearts. We're indwelt by Christ, and God has given us the Holy Spirit. So how can anybody say the Christian life is not easy? Well, if you're a Christian, you know it's not easy. But why? What's the problem here? Well, Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 12 at least. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Hmm, armor. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What? but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Hmm. So as I said before, this passage where Paul ends, Ephesians, is a call to battle. It's a call to war. Believer, you are at war. But I want to add something today. God intends for you, for us to win. In fact, the battle has already been won. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. And on the third day, he rose again. And he was raised up to the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And one day he will return to judge. And the enemy will be totally defeated and cast into the lake of fire. So it's a call to battle. Life is hard because life is a battle. Life is warfare for the believer. And we must always remember that God intends for you and for all of us to win. So let's, uh, let's try to understand some things about our faith that maybe I believe these days have been somewhat lost. Not completely, but let's emphasize them today. First of all, Christianity is not passive. It's aggressive. I really feel that we are in an, in an unbalanced time in Christianity in America where it's passive nature seems to be what's emphasized, and I'll explain that in a minute, when we need to understand that our faith and our, our, our Christianity is aggressive, not passive. After all, what did Jesus say in Matthew 16, 18? It's a pivotal point in the ministry of Jesus. He hasn't told anybody out loud that he's the Messiah. And remember, he asks, he says, who do people say I am? What are they saying out there? As if he didn't know. And then remember, they said, well, some people say you're this or you're that. And Peter blurts out, remember that? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now remember what Jesus says in verse 18, Matthew 16, 18. He says, 
And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. What's he say next? And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. If you understand what he just said there, it's that the church is on the offensive, and the gates of Hades, which is his way of referring to the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of evil, that the kingdom of evil is on the defensive. We are on the offense, and the kingdom of evil is on the defense. Do you see it? So that's why I'm saying Christianity is not passive, it's aggressive. We are at war. Christianity is not let go, let God. It's not. Understand this from God's word. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He is calling you to action. He is calling you to put on armor. And when you put on armor, you're putting it on to fight. Not to go, okay, God, do your thing. He's going to do his thing, so to speak, through you and through me when we respond with faith in Jesus Christ. Rather, God is saying here, instead of let go and let God, he's saying, get going and fight the good fight of faith for Jesus. It's really what he's saying here. We take his words correctly. It's not stop striving, just surrender, lay it down at the cross, and God will take over. And that has been an emphasis for many, many years. And we ought to be careful that we're misunderstanding the Bible. The Bible says, be strong. It says, put on the whole armor of God. And it says that actually twice in the passage in chapter 6 here that we're studying. I want to stop and ask you, have you realized this yet, that you're at war, that you as a Christian, as ordinary as you may be, as weak as you may be, as immature as you may be, as new to the faith as you may be, you are at war and you're called to fight this war and not just to watch it all happen around you. We are at war. So that means this, if we're not only at war, but we're intended to win, I want to ask this question, and it's this, what is the greatest power in the world today? The nuclear bomb? America's nuclear arsenal? Russia's nuclear arsenal? Um, What's that, that weapon that can disable all electronic devices out there? EM, EM what? EMPs, right? Is that the great power of the universe? Do you really know what it is? Look at Romans 1, 16. Romans 1, 16. This struck me the other day. I thought, you know, sometimes you feel like you're the last person to see something in the Bible. Like, duh, I should have known that. Look at this, Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, here it is, for it is the power of God. The most powerful force in the universe is the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, Our faith in our God brings us into contact with our God so that through our faith as we live our lives, his power is present to work in us and through us 
to the world around us as we live for Jesus Christ day by day. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And remember, in Ephesians 6.10, where it talks about the power of his might, the word might represents the omnipotence of God. So be strong in the Lord, and when we put our faith in Christ, we're in union with Jesus Christ. We're one with him. We're in the family of God. And in the power of his might, not your power, not my strength, um, but rather trusting in God, listening to him, finding out what his will is, and together as brothers and sisters in Christ, exercising our faith in Jesus Christ to fulfill his will. In our personal lives, as we seek to grow, and as we seek to reach out to people around us in the strength of his, in the power of his might. So we are saved by grace, and that means we're saved by the power of God, right, in the gospel. But I want to remind you, what are you saved from? And if you would look back at Ephesians 2, because that famous statement about, for we are saved by grace, for by grace are we saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. What are we saved by grace from? Remember the front part of Ephesians 2. What I just quoted is verses 8 and 9. But look at verses 1 to 3. <clears throat> And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Last time I checked with the doctors and the scientists, when somebody's dead, that's it. No man, no woman can do a thing for them. But our God raises the dead. Now that's power. That's power. Then verse 2, what was this state of spiritual death? Verse 2, in which you once walked, how? According to the course of this world. And worse, according to the prince of the power of the air, look at this, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now that's not them out there, that's us. That's where we all started before God saved us by grace. Because he says next, among whom also we all once lived our lives in the lusts of our flesh. We were controlled by our desires, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath just as the others. That was your condition and my condition before we were born again, before the mighty power of the gospel set us free from our sins and raised us from the dead and made us new men and women of God to live in the power of God, the supernatural power of God, not the weak, puny little power that you and I have sometimes at certain points here and there, but it's always failing, always faltering. So Christianity is not passive, it's aggressive. We live for the Lord in the power of God himself. We should be living supernatural lives. That is, the grace that we have, the strength that we have, comes from God, not from inside ourselves, but from outside, from God. Christ dwells in our hearts. So in a sense, the power of God is within us because Jesus is within us. It's not your inherent, not your own abilities or, or strength. And so we are to live by grace as well as be saved by grace. And our grace that God gives us is a fighting, conquering grace. Because he would not call you to fight this battle without also giving you the grace to fight it and win it. Do you believe that? So that's why this passage is in the scriptures, Ephesians 6. And, and of course, this truth is, is mentioned in lots of different places in the Bible, especially the New Testament. So... Our salvation is all of grace, from your conversion 
to your transformation as you live for Jesus Christ, and to your final glorified glorification when we are ruling and reigning with Christ forever. If you want to see that, take a look at uh, Romans chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 1. The first few verses also, also talks about us reigning with him. Now, I want to go back to what I said a little bit ago. From what I see these days, there's an imbalance in contemporary Christianity, and I want to address that for a little bit based on this passage. There is a great emphasis, and it is a great emphasis, and it is a proper emphasis that grace saves and forgives. This is true, undeniably true, and completely biblical, but it's not the whole truth, right? And am I not supposed to teach you the whole counsel of God? Isn't that what you expect from me or anybody else who faithfully teaches and preaches the gospel? You know, when somebody takes the stand, you know what they say. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God, right? Well, isn't that what you expect from me? That's what I require of myself when I stand up before anybody and preach and proclaim the word of God. I want you to know the whole truth, the whole counsel of God. So grace regenerates our hearts and we're saved. We're born again and we see the truth. We see ourselves as we are. We see what's going on with the world. We repent of our sins and we run to Jesus and he saves us, right? He makes the dead alive and he sets the slave of sin free. We saw that in Ephesians 2, right? You were dead in trespasses and sins. He made alive and so on and so forth. Well, what else does God do? I said that he saves us, but grace also transforms us and grace will bring us to final glory when we're at the right hand with God, with Jesus forever and ever. Well, take a look at a couple more passages here in Ephesians, just to remind us. Ephesians 4, 17. So Paul writes, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. So there's that emphasis on testify. He's going to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help him God. He says, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. You're not, you don't have that anymore. You know who you are. You know why you're here. We're not futile in our lives, just living from day to day, trying to figure out what's, what's up and what's down. He says, don't walk like that. Having their understanding darkened, your understanding is no longer darkened. God has flooded your understanding with the light of the gospel being alienated from the life of God. We're not alienated. We're sons and daughters of God. We're in union with God through Jesus Christ because of the ignorance that is in them. Well, we're not ignorant anymore. We know God, and God knows us because of the blindness of their heart. Your hearts aren't blind anymore, are they? Don't you see? It says, who being past feeling, that's what we once were, have given that themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. You know, the world's out there doing its thing and parting and carrying on. And these days, there's almost nothing that's wrong anymore. If it feels good, do it. What the hips used to say, we're doing it today. But we know differently. We know there's right and we know there's wrong. We know that we should live holy. We should obey God. And that's the best way to live. That God in Christ is the perfect way for a person to live. And he's going to work in us to follow Jesus and become more and more like him. So this, is, this doesn't describe you and me anymore. Uh, furthermore, verse 20, you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. Well, have you heard Jesus? Have you been taught by Jesus today? The truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct 
the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and yet you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You see? You're a new person. You're not that same old person. And you're the person who's going to put on the armor. You're the person who's going to have the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and go to battle. We're aggressive. We're not passive. We're in the battle to fight with love and goodness and kindness and mercy as we live for the Lord Jesus Christ day by day, wherever you are, whatever your personal context is, right? Or take a look at Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but no more. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Isn't it great? These are the things that we've learned in Ephesians that lead up to Ephesians 6. We are children of God. We're not darkness. We're light in the Lord. We're to shine our lights for the Lord. And that's the supernatural power of God. Because supernaturally, he raises from the dead. Supernaturally, we're born of the Spirit. Supernaturally, Christ comes in and lives in your heart. Now you know him. As you live for him daily, he's guiding you and, and directing you. Even when it takes the form of conviction. Did you ever do something you shouldn't have done? And, and you tried to go on with it, and the Lord wouldn't let you go on with it. And you thought, oh, that wasn't right. No, no, I have my reasons for that. It's no problem. I'm okay. But the Lord kept working on you. No, no, no. You're right, Lord. That was wrong. Please forgive me. Then you leave it behind, right? That's God at work in you. Just as times when we're singing something together and the truth of the song hits you, maybe tears start to stream down your face. You're saying, thank you, Lord. It's true. It's you and it's me. And you've done this for me and my brothers and sisters. God is at work in our hearts and our lives. It's not just you. It's you and your God, and we as his children, the family of God. So that's what I'm trying to emphasize here. Or, or look at Ephesians 5.18. Remember when we looked at this. I don't want to skip this one. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, the holy supernatural Spirit of God. Be filled means that you can ask it's a command, the way he states it here, that we are to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Our, our days shouldn't be ordinary and routine and humdrum. We're to live and walk in the fullness of God, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If that's not happening, stop and cry out to God. Stop and plead with God. Stop and say, I'm not living to the fullness that you made for me to live in. I don't want to go a day further without crying out to you. And every day, do the same thing. Cry out to God. I don't want to be this person who's not even anywhere near the battle. I want to be in the battle. I want to fight the good fight of faith with you, Lord. Sometimes you've got to give yourself a pep talk, by the way. You've got to preach the gospel to yourself. You've got to remind yourself. But also, that's what we're for as the family of God. We're to exhort one another, edify one another, encourage one another. I'm not always up here. Are you? Sometimes I'm pretty down there. And I need somebody to come along and say, hey, Get up from down there. You don't need to be down there. Give me an exhortation. We need each other. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves, and we need to remind each other of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So grace enables you, doesn't just save you, and it empowers you so that you can walk in the newness of life. And we've got to be aggressive about it. To me, aggressive means exercise your faith. Believe what's true. 
Act upon what God shows you. Act upon who God is in your life and who you are in Christ. That's what I mean by aggressive. I don't mean we'll go out and pound people. <laughs> but we are living in the power of God, and we are meant to grow. We are meant to take the victory that Jesus Christ already secured for us when he died on the cross and rose again. So let me make application. Yes, the Christian life is not easy, but God's power is there for you in Christ. So let's wake up, put on our God-given armor, take up our weapons, and go to battle. Christianity should not be passive. It is aggressive. But I want you to beware. There are dangers here. And it goes with the, what I said was the imbalance a moment ago. Don't allow God's grace to rob you of God's grace. What's that mean? Don't allow God's grace to rob you of God's grace. And that's what I'm talking about when I say people are lazy by grace. They're not just saved by grace, but sometimes we get lazy by grace. Sort of like this. I'm saved by grace and not by works, so your faith is without works. Because, well, I'm okay, I'm saved. We don't want to be lazy by grace. We don't want to misunderstand God's grace. God's grace is not just the power to save, but it's a power to live. You can't live God's way in your own strength. Absolutely impossible. But we can live God's way by God's grace. God gives you that gift of grace, not only for your initial entrance into the kingdom when you're born again, but your whole life through. Conversion, daily transformation, and final glorification. So I ask you, we're about to have the Lord's Supper. So we need to ask ourselves these questions. Are you putting to death your old life? Is that a central feature to your daily life as a Christian? Are you putting to death your old habits and vices, your old patterns of speech, your old anxieties and fears and worries, or are they still plaguing you? Um, your old patterns of spending and debt. They say in America, as prosperous as things appear to be with people working and low unemployment, that the average American, if they get into a, a crisis, a financial crisis, they don't have enough money to pull out of it. So bad out there. Think, wow, I thought maybe things were better than that. How about, is anger still a problem for you? Or have you put off the old you and put on the new you? Are you the same old husband, the same old wife, the same old son, the same old daughter, the same old person at work, the same old driver behind the wheel? Am I getting anywhere with you? Seems that's always the go-to place for a preacher, how people act when they're on the road, right? But it's... The power of God is powerful enough to stop us from doing some of the maniacal things we do. I say we, unfortunately. God's power is there for you, my brothers and my sisters. It's all there in Christ because he gave Christ for us and Christ gave himself for us and God gives Christ and the Holy Spirit to you. So grace not only saves, but it enables and empowers us. So wake up, 
Put on your God-given armor. Take up your weapons, as we learn in this passage, and we'll be working our way through it. Get into the battle and fight the good fight of faith. Let's all prove that we're really alive and not still dead in trespasses and sins. As he came close to dying, this was the last letter he wrote. Paul wrote 2 Timothy. And this is what he says. And I hope that this will be the testimony of each and every one of us when the time comes for us to go home to be with the Lord. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Are you running the race? Are you headed for the crown? Or are you sleeping and still dead? Let's examine ourselves now as we prepare for the Lord's Supper.